0: Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.
1: In spite of all our communication technology, no invention is as effective as the sound of the human voice. When we hear the human voice, we instinctively want to listen in the hopes of understanding it. Even when the speaker is searching for the right words to say, that's because the human voice resonates differently from everything else in the world. This is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast.
4: All right, everybody. This is Srini. Welcome to another backstage episode of the Unmistakable Creative. I am here with my co-host, Greg Hartle. What's going on, Greg?
3: Hey, Srini. I'm, uh, I'm ready to rock and roll today on this topic. This is a good one.
4: This really is a good one. Before we do that, though, let's get into the listener feedback from last week uh, on our debate about technology. I got to say, I am enjoying my morning still of no technology and my you know, surgical slash operating room slash creating room is technology free. <laughs> so, uh, but Lou Pack wrote in, he said, Hey guys, uh, Greg, glad to hear you're feeling better. I unplugged my TV like four years ago. I'm also a vegan for over a year now. The more I separate myself from t- typical, behavior, the better I feel. What I usually do is read Walden by Henry David Thoreau. You hmm. really should read it because Thoreau knows that a new modern era is bursting forth. Really interesting stuff though, about the book about tech and how it robs as a d- divine communication with the cosmos.
3: Yeah, I would say the more things change, the more they stay the same. I mean, that book was written, you know, decades ago, and it's still absolutely, positively, completely relevant to today's world.
4: Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I need to read that. I've never actually read it. And, oh, uh, man, fantastic book. Yeah, I, well, I think that's something to be said for reading stuff that is more classic, and I think it's very easy to basically surround yourself with modern work, but uh, that's a whole other subject. We'll have to talk oh. about that some other time.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's funny because people ask me all the time for business book suggestions, and of course, I I never give them business. Well, you books told me to questions. read
4: the Forty Eight Laws of Power.
3: Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I, I always give uh, you know, and oftentimes I give like Thoreau or you know other other authors like that that you know are fiction based books. Or nonfiction that aren't don't have anything to do with business because you learn a lot about business in those scenarios. Just like I gave – I think I gave you like two or three examples. None of them were quote-unquote business books. Yeah. But all very useful for business.
4: Definitely. Well, we had another uh, person who wrote in. This isn't actually related to last week's episode, but it was such a nice thing to say. I had to read it on the air. Michael wrote in, and this just came in yesterday. He said, I can't begin to fully express how much I'm enjoying your podcast. Just when I convinced myself that the fatal flaw with being human was my favorite episode, you serve up a healthy dose of Nick. his inspiring example of success humility and proper perspective should be the norm in the business in business today instead of the exception in other words srini your shit is a hit without the s and the s (laughs) definitely stands for super keep up the great work the content of your broadcasts and the manner in which you present them are so good that it makes me wonder how i ever got along without it what you bring to the table is way more valuable than you realize so please don't ever stop thanks again for all you do here's to being unmistakable michael
3: I, I, I want, wow. Like I, I want what that guy's having for breakfast.
4: Yeah, seriously. That was such a nice thing. Like, you know, it was the, the I, I got, that was the last thing that I, I looked at online last night and I was thinking, wow, what a <laughs> perfect way to end the day. Thank you so much for that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. I mean, we're getting so many kind words from our listeners. It's, it's so awesome. I mean, you guys really, without you guys, it wouldn't be what it is. So uh, let's get into something that is really, really interesting. I think a, a subject that is probably near and dear to both mine and Greg's heart. And one that, you know, for me really kind of in one way hit a nerve, but really got me thinking uh, a few weeks ago, Cal mm-hmm. Newport put up an article uh, on his blog. Uh, it's a study hacks or calnewport.com. And it's definitely, we'll link the article for those of you guys listening, but the premise of the article was about about gatekeepers, and it was this idea of whether gatekeepers should be bypassed or embraced. Um, and you know, it's interesting because the reason we want to talk about this today is that you know, hell, I, I wrote a book in which I, I've said there are no more gatekeepers. But the question I think that really we want to pose is: Do gatekeepers actually have a value in terms of you know improving the ecosystem, and do they force you to step up your game?
3: Yeah, and I would say, of course, they do. Absolutely, they do. Although this this uh, question, should gatekeepers be bypassed or embraced, is for me one very deep. I mean, this we could we could go all night on this one, um, <clears throat> and I think it starts with your worldview. So, see the thing about the thing about anybody, but you know, in particular, since we're talking about Cal Newport, since he wrote this blog post bo- blog post, the thing about Cal Newport that that has to be taken into account in his writing is that. He's always talking from the perspective of living by traditional American ways. So when he talks about the idea that don't follow your passion, that actually you should develop your skills and that leads to passion, he's talking about that with traditional jobs. Mm -hmm. He's not talking about that going off and doing your own thing. Um, When he's talking about should gatekeepers be bypassed or embraced? he's talking about it from traditional publishing standpoint so you know you have to start there because if you don't start there if you don't start with the world view of how you see the world and i think that i would guess that a lot of our listeners don't see the world the way Cal Newport sees the world. Mm -hmm. They don't believe in standing, you know, following the status quo and getting in line and waiting your turn for the success that you can possibly have, or even defining success the same way that Cal Newport defines success. Cal Newport is is a graduate of MIT and, and a professor there. And uh, is very much focused on traditional American ways and in, in, in studying them. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, to me, it starts there. Do you believe in traditional ways of America? Do you believe in the classical definition of success in America? first because if you don't start there, we can go any number of directions with this conversation. So I, I think that number one, it's got it's got to start there and number two, then from there you can decide whether gatekeepers are valuable or not for what you're trying to accomplish. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, this is that in and of itself is an interesting question, right? Is there value in buying into that one view? Like is there value in this traditional
3: model of success? Like does that lead to something good per se? Yes, uh, I would say. See, that's the thing: is it, it yes and no. It mm-hmm. all depends on who you are. If you're Cal Newport, one hundred percent. That's how he makes a living. Mm-hmm. If you're me, maybe not. You know. So, I mean, th- this is this is the challenge that we have, especially in the internet age. Is everyone draws a line in the sand and picks a position and says that's the way it's supposed to be for everyone? Right. Instead of saying that's the way I want it to be for me. Uh-huh. And that's the difference. And that's exactly what Cal is doing here. He's not saying that's the way I want it to be for me. He's saying that's the way it should be for everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's a position that you cannot take because everyone is different and everyone has different values and different views and different opinions. Mm -hmm. And everyone's going in different directions. But he's got a point for people that traditionally follow this path. And for people that traditionally study somebody like Cal Newport, he makes a very good argument.
4: Mm -hmm. Well, you know, what's interesting to me is, is, you know, as somebody who has self-published a book, uh, and also, you know, when we, we, you know, we're a filter, right? I mean, what do we do with the unmistakable creative? We are constantly filtering for talent. You know, we play the role of, of not, not, you know, not a gatekeeper, like you said, in the sense earlier before we hit record of of choosing who, who gets to put their art in the world, but filtering who we decide to showcase. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as somebody who has, has, written a traditionally published book, I can tell you that the desire to get a book deal constantly was the drive behind me trying to get better and better and better at writing because I knew that, okay, I have got to be better in order for somebody to say, okay, this is book deal worthy. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so, you know, for me, the question is, okay, yeah, we have gatekeepers. Sure. we, We don't have to embrace them. But knowing that they're there, like, let's say, you know, part of, you know, I I will say this, like, nothing would make me happier than if the unmistakable creative became so wildly popular that somebody came to us and said, you know what, we're so interested in this, we want to make a TV show. But that means that our game has to be stepped up to a whole other level, right? Like, I'm not Jon Stewart,
3: but... You know, I mean, if I want to be, I've got to step up my game. So, so, but so, let me ask you this Are you suggesting that you can't or won't or won't even consider stepping up your game and creating your own TV show? Oh, I'm not saying that. I'm saying okay. that the, the, the,
4: the point is that the game has to be stepped up if to even do what I'm what you're talking about to, to play the game on that level. I think to me, okay, the fact that there is somebody like Jon Stewart out there. And the fact that there is somebody saying, hey, you're awesome enough to be on TV, that to me is a signal to say, you know what? If I want to accomplish that, then I definitely have to step up my game.
3: Yeah. So, OK, there's a few things here that, that – and this is where I think this can go so deep in so many different directions. So on one hand, I agree with you in that I think there's so much garbage on the internet, for example, and so much wasted space and energy. Um, in In just garbage, because anyone can hit publish, mm-hmm. and so it 's just riddled with junk and yet there's also there 's two things there number one is is the the other point that cal doesn 't bring up in his article, and one that I think is easily overlooked um, is is there's bias in gatekeepers. So gatekeepers are not objective. They're Mm -hmm. subjective, right? So if a gatekeeper is subjective, a gatekeeper is taking into account all their own personal bias. So there's racial bias, there's age bias, there's, there's experience bias. There's all kinds of bias in terms of that gatekeeper picking someone. So a gatekeeper doesn't always pick the talented or the most talented or the best writer or the Mm. best filmmaker. They also pick things based on their personal biases. And so that can't go, uh, you know, overlooked. I mean, that's a huge factor here. So when you break down the barriers and you can bypass gatekeepers, that's how a lot of people that otherwise would never get a shot in this country or around the world get their shot because they can bypass gatekeepers. So there's value in that just simply to bypass the biased nature of some people. Mm -hmm. Secondly, a lot of gatekeepers are not experts in their craft or their field they are not great at picking the right talent there are some i mean there's some people in the music industry for instance who just always seem to know talent and pick the right talent mm-hmm. and they just get it you know you have your Clive Davises that can spot the Whitney Houston's and can spot the Mariah Carey's and and just know that that person's going to be huge and going to be a star and they pick that talented person but most gatekeepers simply want to have a job and earn a paycheck mm-hmm. and so there's bias in that so a gatekeeper is going to do what they have to do to protect their job and earn their paycheck not necessarily take risks on certain people that are talented enough or take risks that are necessary to put out a good film i mean hollywood is a classic example of that oh yeah where they, they they won't do they won't take a single risk Um, Because they don't want to lose their jobs. Right. So that also goes into this factor of whether should gatekeepers be bypassed or embraced. It's not just about gatekeepers being experts and picking talent.
2: One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes.
1: Nice dress. Uh, It's a it's a T-shirt.
2: Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
4: Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. The bias factor is one that I never really considered before. But yeah, I mean, Hollywood is, is a fantastic example of that. There's a lot of shitty movies that come out of Hollywood. I mean, you know, we watched the Oscars this last Sunday. And, you know, that, that, was, that is always a fascinating example to me of... Okay, I mean some of these are definitely amazing looking films, but sometimes I look at this and say, that
3: won an Oscar? Really? Well, just imagine – okay, so take – here's a good example. So take the Oscars and imagine that the people who vote on the Oscars – had to vote on whether the film could be made in the first place, right? So the Oscars are made up of, I think it's something like 74% Caucasian males <laughs> over the age of 50. Yeah, 74% Caucasian males over the age of 50, if I'm not mistaken. and I could be mistaken on this. But it's something like that. So imagine if they got to decide which movies got made. You don't you don't think that they have certain biases that would decide on what movies got made? That they're just somehow completely objective and they're going to always pick the greatest talent? Hell no! That's not going to be the case. Mm-hmm. And so there's value in bypassing gatekeepers just from that very reason alone. Yeah, you know it, it's interesting,
4: right? The, the other the other side of that is that you, so the thing that always comes up when people are like oh you know the gatekeepers are idiots they passed on things like Harry Potter and and all this other stuff. You know that's the example we we use these examples of all the things that gatekeepers could not see. Right. And yet that to me takes us
3: back to our very first debate of talent, <laughs> right? Well, it takes us and it takes us back to outliers. Yeah. Exactly. We always point out the outliers. You know, how why aren't we making a, who wrote the blog post where they list the gatekeepers who passed on really shitty work? <laughs> Where's that blog post? Where's that blog post that says this publisher look at look at all this crappy work this publisher passed on? How awesome are they for doing that? No. We only write the one blog post that says, Look, this publisher passed on JK Rowling. Uh huh. And then we all jump on that publisher and say, You're such an idiot. Mm-hmm. Right, but we never see the blog posts or the articles or the newspaper magazines or whatever it is pointing out all the good stuff they're doing to protect us from.
4: Yeah, 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 no doubt. Well, you know, like you said, there's a lot of garbage on the internet. It's funny. This is kind of an aside, uh, a bit of a tangent. But like Tom Hanks, to me, is an example of a guy. Like I've been trying. Like it seems like there's a certain point in his career in which he just stopped ever making bad movies. Like it was, you know, after the Burbs, I can't think of anything that I was like, you know, that was crap like everything that he does is a whole other level and it's like okay you know it, it's exactly what you're talking about he's just picking things one hit after another and you're right we we don't highlight things like that um when especially you know because we're we're the rebels we're the misfits we look for ways to destroy authority and and to me i guess you know knowing that these gatekeepers are there again, you know, sometimes I see the example of people who want to be on our show, right? And say, what do we have to do to get on the show? And I'm like, do something unmistakable and make
3: me curious. And
4: I have no idea how you do that.
3: Yeah, well, and here's another value. So I I think there's a lot of value in having gatekeepers even in your own personal life. These Mm -hmm. might not be like significant gatekeepers, but having people that are willing to say, no, that's not good enough. Don't publish that or that's not good enough. Don't put that out. Oh, yeah. I mean, I I think I play that that role a lot for you. Oh, definitely. Right? So in a lot of ways, I'm – I'm your gatekeeper from that standpoint. You know, you show me something and I say, that's not quite there. That's not ready. That's not unmistakable. Don't put that out in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's value to that. However, I will say that there's also people that, that don't publish things or don't do a film or don't do something because they're afraid that it's garbage. Mm-hmm. They're afraid that it's not going to be good enough. They're afraid that it's going to be judged by those gatekeepers and denied. And so they never take action. They never do anything because of that. So there's value in just pa- bypassing the big gatekeepers and hitting publish on something, or, or putting your film out in the world, just to get past that point. You know, there's the famous Ira Glass quote where he talks a lot about how no one tells an artist. Uh, About that really bad period in the beginning where an artist typically has good taste, as he puts it, an artist typically has good taste. But when they start doing something, it's kind of terrible Mm -hmm. because they're just beginning and they kind of know it's terrible and it really bothers them. And a lot of times they give up because it's terrible, but they need to get through that terrible phase to get to the good stuff and so there's a lot of value in in ignoring gatekeepers from that perspective still doing your work still putting it out there in some form because that helps you get through the terrible phase mm-hmm. and actually get to the good phase otherwise you just shut yourself down and we never see any of your art.
4: yeah no i I, I would agree with that I mean I, I think I, I love that you brought up the personal gatekeepers yeah I mean you absolutely forced me to an incredibly you know like a higher standard than I've ever been held to like you know I, I know for a fact you know I'm sitting here my friends like yeah I remember I, I just just to give you guys an example, the stupid chalkboard thing, I'm painting chalkboards and I'm putting layers of chalkboard paint on them because I'm like, you know what? This isn't smooth. And Greg will come back and ask why the hell it isn't smooth. And I was like <laughs> like I'm in your head now. Well, I mean I know you well enough to know. I'm like if we could have done it better you know, and, we know, and we know we could have done it better with like the tiniest bit of effort, then why wouldn't we?
3: Right. Yeah. And
4: and then, you know, another example, you know, I'd been wanting to get ready, you know, I wanted to start writing the next book, which was supposed to be the Thousand Word Habit. And Carolyn uh, Masseri, my editor, wouldn't work on it. And then I told her, I'm changing the book. I'm going to call it the scenic route, a journey, you know, the journey of words and waves. And she said, now I'm ready to work on the book. Because she was basically being my gatekeeper to keep me from putting shitty art out in the world.
3: Yeah, it's very beneficial to have those types of people uh, in, in your life and and in in help you with your work, and so you know like that like I was saying at the beginning, this this can go so many different directions. So the idea, and this is what we do, right? So the question is, should gatekeepers be bypassed or embraced? That's so generic. Mm-hmm. That's so generic, but how else can we begin the conversation without having a generic conversation in, in terms of the web? So you kind of almost have to make it generic in order for anybody to click on it and anybody to read it. And so that's what we've done is we've we've made it so generic. But when you get down to the specifics, there's some gatekeepers that are useful and some that aren't. There's some that are completely biased and some that aren't. There's some that are great at picking talent and some that aren't. There's there's ways in which it's valuable for you to put terrible work out there because it gets you out there, it gets you exposed, it, it gets you to do better work. And then there's other times when if you're established, you sh- there's no way you should put terrible work out there because it will only diminish. I mean, think of somebody like Will Smith who put out a string of big hits in Hollywood, then he does two crappy movies in a row, and now, you know, no one wants to do a movie with him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you gotta be careful about that kind of thing. You know, so there's value in certain gatekeepers and then there's value in not having gatekeepers. I don't think it's as simple as should they exist or should they not. But you know, hey, let's get the listeners to uh, yeah. jump in on this and find out.
4: Yeah, no, definitely. Right. We, we really want to hear you know what some of you guys have to say. I mean, we know some of you have bypassed gatekeepers because some of you have have gotten book deals and done other things. So you know, write in and tell us your thoughts at unmistakablecreative dot com slash contact. Um, you know, we we love. I mean, you guys are the ones who drive this entire segment, and uh, we, this is one that I'm very very curious to hear your feedback on
3: yeah I'm very curious as well because this is a huge topic of conversation in the internet world in general and and what the internet and other technologies have done in in terms of eliminating or bypassing those gatekeepers mm-hmm. and 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 yet I'm you know as you can hear just in my in this twenty minutes that we've been talking about it I'm conflicted you know that I, I see value in it and I also don't so I'm really curious to see what others think. Mm-hmm. All right,
4: well, let's, uh, let's get into the iTunes reviews really quick. Um, I mean, you guys have been amazing. You're just letting them pour in. So we got one from Melanie Beal, more than blogging, which we're happy to hear. I first started listening to this show when it was focused on bloggers and blogging, and I feel like it's evolving with my own interests and profession. The rebrand came about just as I was no longer thinking of myself as a blogger and began to identify myself as a graphic designer and storyteller. Srini has top-tier guests and is always a great interviewer. Thanks for that. That's Awesome. Uh, Mike Malloy, a really inspiring podcast that is packed with great insight into the motivations and techniques of creative people. Elle uh, McCormick, within the last few weeks, I've listened to interviews with Seth Godin, Danielle Laporte, Nisha Boodley, Amber Ray. Each interview moved me and has made a noticeable, noticeable impact on my work. This podcast is awesome. And uh, for those of you guys who want to come to the site, we'll go ahead and link those interviews in the show notes for this. Um, all of those are fantastic interviews. Uh, Burton, Ohio. I serendipitously found Srini's podcast one day back in January and gave it a listen I've been going through a fair amount of personal and professional issues, and this podcast spoke to me instantly. I found the people to be interviewed insightful, interesting, authentic, and always have something of value to share. Uh, I really appreciate the interviews and the added backstage candid conversations between Srini and Greg. Uh-oh. Nice. Nice. And then Kimberly D. Houston, this is hands down one of my favorite go-to resources for creative inspiration. She, says, uh, every, she calls it an absolute must-listen for independent creatives and other creative business builders.
3: Fantastic. We've gotten some great reviews. Thank you guys so much.
4: Yeah, they're they're really I mean, I've it's so so mind-blowing and, you know, we really we appreciate these reviews so much. So Greg and I have actually decided to do something uh, you know, that to to incentivize you guys to drop us a review. Greg, you want to tell them a little bit about how we're going to do this? No, you tell them. All right. Well, so what we're <laughs> going to do is we are going to give away a $25 Amazon gift card to somebody who submits a review. Well, you basically for if you submit a review, Every Friday, we'll read the reviews from that the the previous week on Backstage, and we'll pick one person. You'll get a $25 Amazon gift card, and the cool thing is we can send this to you digitally, so it'll be in your inbox instantly. Um, So yeah, that hopefully will will incentivize you You you
3: just totally forgot the most important part that I told you before we went on air. I
4: knew
3: you you were going to do that too. That's why I
4: set you up for that. Sorry. (laughs) You said something about a drawing. I thought I pretty much nailed it.
3: Yeah just you didn't tell him about the drawing you you just said we would pick one so yeah, whoever submits a review for that week every Friday what we'll do is we'll put put names in a hat and we'll do a drawing and whoever is selected as the winner will get a $25 gift card to Amazon. I just want to make that clear that it's completely <laughs> objective and not subjective. So don't yes. don't try to write the greatest review to win a gift card, please. Please be honest in the reviews and uh and then we'll do we'll do a drawing.
4: There we go. That that's clearly much more articulate than I, I put it. So <laughs> Awesome. Well, uh, you guys have been awesome. Thank you so much for your support. uh, And we will see you guys next week.
1: Thanks for listening in on another candid conversation at The Unmistakable Creative. Embrace your inner misfit. Express your creative voice. And remember, the goal isn't to live forever, but to create something that will.